<laughs> Freedom of speech, motherfucker. Uh, welcome back, everybody, to the Radical Lens. My name is Duke Wilder, and I'm here with a new guest today, Sal Mayweather on Twitter. How you doing today, man? What's up, man? Thanks for having me. Hell yeah. I always see all your shit on Twitter all the time, and I was like, this guy's funny with all your memes and shit all the time. So it's like, <laughs> I, got, I, gotta, I gotta have him on the podcast. I'm sure you got some good ideas. Nice. Cool. Yeah, so you, I, I've seen you've got, you've gained a, a pretty large following on Twitter. It's like you're at what, like 21 k yeah. now? I think yeah, I think I just passed twenty one. I don't know, you know, it's it's kind of crazy. I don't know why everybody. Uh, I guess people just dig the memes, you know. <laughs> Where do you find all these memes all the time? Um, you know, I, it's it's weird. I make a lot of them. Um, I have. I'm like members of like i'm a member to like a couple different like meme farms meme like, farms I've yeah basically just that. like like groups of us who like will make memes and then share them around with each other and uh i also work with a couple people where we'll send like each other templates and we'll just bounce ideas off each other definitely go follow uh the empress of empress of meme on instagram that's one of my partners and she's really putting out some great content so the Empress of Meme. That's really that's a funny name. Yeah, and she'll even actually on her Instagram page, she'll even teach you how to create memes yourself. So it's pretty cool. Oh, that is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I, a lot of them get like pretty viral, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's kind of crazy. Like especially when like sometimes you know like b or c list celebrities will retweet you and then like you'll get like four five six seven thousand likes and retweets and stuff and sometimes it's not even people that are on our team like yeah I think, I think one time and Col i've been retweeted by like ann coulter and i'm really? like yeah and i could just i can i was just thinking like man if she ever actually clicked on my page and went through the rest of my shit <laughs> you know, like yeah, that's funny. Where, where did you get the? Um, is that your real name, Sal Mayweather? Yeah. Yeah. That's a yeah. cool name, man. Yeah. It's one of those names where it's like, could be fake because because it, it sounds pretty cool. Well, the uh, it's um, um, um avatar is Mac Dre. Mm -hmm. Um, that's that's a, a rapper from the Bay Area. Sometimes people ask me about that a lot. So. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I don't know. A, a whole lot about agorism i've i've read the uh the, the new libertarian manifesto and it and it was pretty interesting but you seem to to really embrace that you, you want to talk a little bit about that yeah i think um agorism or agorism whatever you want to call it i think it's it's the only logical logically consistent political philosophy that there is i think that uh it's you know it's it's one step past anarcho-capitalism mm -hmm. so you know i think you can you can define it synonymously with counter-economics and i think uh per byland has a great article he wrote like a long time ago i want to say it's like over 10 years ago on lourockwell.com where he breaks it down into two different kinds of counter-economic strategies talks about vertical and horizontal and the vertical strategy is really there's really these are basically the two elements of counter economics mm -hmm. 
the, the vertical strategy is basically when you create local production facilities. So things like aquaponics or um, 3D printing. Okay. Those, those would be good examples of like a local production facility. Mm-hmm. And then uh, that really comes from Carl Hess and a book that Carl Hess wrote called Community Technology. Uh, and then the second part is horizontal, and that comes from uh, Sam Conkin, and that's more of your traditional black market, you know, peer-to-peer exchange. And really, what it, it becomes uh, the biggest the biggest successes that we've had in counter economics have all been uh, derived from like a sort of synthesis of the vertical and horizontal strategies. So, like something like Bitcoin, for example. Yeah. Where you have a, the local production facility, in the sense of miners who are producing this this money, and then uh, you know the distributed peer-to-peer exchange of like the vertical. So you see like how like when we combine both strategies, when we have the best success, you know. Oh yeah, definitely. I I really think Bitcoin and and decentralized cryptocurrency is is very interesting and very pro liberty and i i would say i think it's the future but i definitely hope it's the future a lot more than i think it is <laughs> um you know i'll tell you what i think that i was i was very hopeful in the beginning and then i kind of got turned off by a lot of like the politics and a lot of the infighting and stuff in like the crypto community and then i i also lost a bunch of a bunch of money when the dow went down so i kind of got like a a pretty bad taste in my mouth and now i've kind of the wounds have healed and i i've, I've been back in it for like the last couple of years now so i don't know I'm, I'm confident i think that uh you know if as long as as long as we can continue to provide a better alternative to the u.s dollar which is you know nick spanos called the usd the original shit coin so you know as long as we can be better than that i don't see why people wouldn't use uh cryptocurrencies you know I don't know what the price is right now, but let's say it's about four thousand dollars for one Bitcoin. That's like just forty one, forty one hundred. Is it that high? Yeah. So that just means that uh, you know one Bitcoin is valued four thousand one hundred times more than one U.S. dollar. So I mean, we're already winning. You know, they're going to fight back, but I think over time, I don't think they can stop it. I think it's just the uh, once that kind of technology is unleashed, there's nothing that they can do about it. Yeah, I mean, they definitely try to enforce it by making taxes. Essentially, you have to pay taxes in U.S. dollar. But I feel like crypto is so easily convertible that you could just convert it to U.S. dollar and then pay your taxes or whatever, and then yeah, um, and then be just fine. I think uh, I forget exactly the all the details, but I remember when like they were first going to require everybody to start paying taxes on crypto no one i remember reading like a news article that like they got no one from coinbase you know this was like i think this was the end of last year or something like that when everybody had made a bunch of money so uh, the irs was expecting everybody to all of a sudden you know cough up their capital gains tax on all their crypto profits and like, i remember they were like dumbfounded that they didn't get any money like no shit no one's gonna like you know voluntarily be extorted what did you think was gonna happen you know yeah i uh i i know i i mean i i definitely do do my own fair and share of uh trading cryptocurrency and stuff and um uh, 
that doesn't really cross my mind at all. So, no, and then, you know nowadays, you know, and I, I I spoke with McAfee about the John McAfee and, uh, you know, oh, yeah, how was that? I've always wanted to talk to him. Oh, he's he's great. He's wild, but he's great. He's awesome. Um, yeah. yeah, he's uh, he's a piece of work, man. But uh, one of the things he was talking about was like decentralized exchanges, which I think are going to be huge. Um, in fact, right before I was talking to you, uh, we started talking. I I, uh, I was setting up an account for the new Binance Dex because, you know, this I think like this whole peer-to-peer -peer trading is going to be key. You combine that with like tokenization and stuff, and it's almost like they're, the government isn't going to be able to collect enough revenue uh, pretty soon, where they're not going to be able to function. And I, and you know, and this is what John said. You know, this is this is a good thing. This is a, something to be looked forward to. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely it's like it's undermining the the state, allowing them to just kind of like their power to just kind of fizzle away instead of trying to do some kind of overthrow type thing because that that obviously never works when you well, just try to exactly and that's like the whole essence of agorism right we want to undermine we want to subvert we want to provide more we want to provide cheaper and more efficient alternatives to uh you know these the, the these goods and services the, and the provision of which are are monopolized by the state and we can do this at a at a cheaper cost and a higher quality so mm -hmm. you know if we just let the market work people are going to choose uh you know the agorist over the the state provider any day of the week oh yeah and like if, I, if you think about it like really the state has set up these cartels all throughout the economy so like we see the banking cartel and Bitcoin is almost like the alternative to and not just Bitcoin, any cryptocurrency is almost like an alternative to uh, the US dollar. And, you know, we already spoke about how that's more valuable. But then also things like and this is something that I've been talking about a lot lately was if you look at like FINRA, right? FINRA is essentially uh, a cartel. And, you know, Rothbard spoke about compulsory cartelization mm -hmm. and how uh you know, these um, industry leaders will get together and instead of compete, they'll all agree to fix a price. And in a free market, this doesn't last because somebody's going to get greedy and eventually they're going to lower the uh, lower the price to try to gain an increase in the market share. Right. But, uh, you know, then they step into the state and they have the state maintain the cartel in a compulsory fashion. So like another example of that would be like FINRA, which is a like just a, a cartel, a giant cartel of brokers. Right, I think it's like or a little bit over four thousand brokers, and uh, you know, in this way, they kind of monopolize the the whole kind of like they kind of put a, a they're dampening out the whole financial markets. And really, if you look at like tokenization and how uh, people like Patrick Byrne or um, you know Roger Ver or uh, even like Blockstream with the Elements Project and Liquid Assets Network. They're all working to undermine uh, the FINRA cartel. So we, really, we see all these cartels throughout the economy, and the agorists are just attacking the cartel one after another. We're just trying to be price busters, essentially. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah, I mean that's definitely the way to go. I just um, a lot of people, I'm sure, have pretty valid concerns of that being pretty dangerous i mean you got to kind of know what you're doing and 
and be able to stay uh, decent, have some sort of anonymity because obviously the state's going to do everything it can to try and stomp that out as much as possible. I mean, you have people like fucking Russ, Russ, Russ Albrecht, who two life sentences just for providing a platform for people to trade things. But since it was like stuff that would normally be illegal, it's like, okay, we're going to put you in jail for two life sentences, even though he didn't even participate in any of the trading. He just provided the platform. And it's like, that just sucks. There's just a lot on the line, you know? Yeah, he, uh, Ross got a stricter sentence than El Chapo. So it just goes to show you where the state's priorities are. As long as you don't compete with them uh, directly. Like you can, you can have a little gang and they'll, they'll give you like, you know, 20 years, 50 years, that's fine. But if you actually threaten the existence of their gang, then they're going to make an example out of you. And that's exactly what they've done with Ross. And it's, I mean, it's a shame. You know, I look at what they did to Erwin Schiff, how they put this guy in jail at the end of his life and they made him die in a cage like an animal. And then to think that they put Ross, they're doing the same thing to Ross, but they didn't put him in jail when he was old. They put him in jail when he was young. Mm-hmm. So he's gonna have to spend his whole life, and I just, you know, I'm not. Uh, I don't believe in violence. I think that when you're violent, you're not doing agorism. And I think Ross is one of the key figures in like counter economics. But you know, a friend of mine uh, even said uh, Max Hildebrand. He even said that you know we should all just get together and just go get him out of the prison. And sometimes that's the way it makes me feel. Mm-hmm. It, you know, I, I know Lynn too, and she's like the sweetest lady in the world. So, like, to see her have to go through this, it just—it's sickening, you know. It's, it, it, it definitely bothers me a lot more than it probably should, because I think about it all the time, and I just feel so bad for him because he's just trying to do the right thing. And if and, you think about I, it, if if you think about it, right, like you can you can go buy dope off the corner, and you don't know what you're getting, right? You don't you don't know. You could be getting poison. Or you can go on the Silk Road. At least you used to be able to go on the Silk Road, and now, and then, you know, you could check reviews, and oh, this seller has, you know, he's good reviews. Nobody's ever OD'd on his product, so at least you know it's safer. You know what I mean? But the state would rather have put you at risk. But you know, that's not the only thing. It wasn't just drugs, right? Like people forget, you can get medicine on the Silk Road uh, that wasn't FDA approved, right? You know what I mean, so it's like they're you. you they're just it's all about competition control and power yeah the state's just like no we're in charge fuck everything else and it's just it's so i mean think what you want about drugs i mean you know you could think drugs are the worst thing in the world and you don't want other people to take them and that's and that's fine i mean you can hold that belief but but you have to understand that people are going to take these drugs regardless and we see right. that all the time because people are still buying and selling and doing drugs now even though they're illegal and all ross did was create an an easier way and a safer way for people to be able to get the stuff that they would have otherwise gotten anyways and it's just like people claim that they have their views about drugs because they care about other people when in reality, their views that they have on drugs are making it worse for the very people that they're trying to help. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, they've been indoctrinated by the public schooling 
well, the public camps. I mean, it's just, you can't even call them schools at this point. But yeah, they've been indoctrinated into believing that they, you know, you require the state to tell you what's good for you. It's really sad. It really is. But I mean, you know, I guess you just have to keep hoping that, you know, one day, hopefully Ross, you know, catches a pardon or something, you know, events turn in his favor. But it's just, it's mind boggling what this poor guy is going through. It's just so sad that, I mean, we just got to kind of sit here and then just hope that the state allows him to to live. Well, know? that's just the thing, you know. I mean, and that's the whole point of agorism. You know, eventually what we're going to see happen in the counter-economic revolution, eventually we're going to see private defense, private defense agencies or PDAs uh, pop up. And what's going to happen is these are going to compete with, uh, not only are they going to compete directly with, uh, you know, police services, but they're going to actually protect people from the police. And when that comes is, I think that's going to be the, one of the key turning points in the counter-economic revolution. But those PDAs might end up being the same people that end up freeing Ross Ulbricht. I mean, we never know, you know. How, how soon do you see something like that happening? Who knows? You know, it's, it's, it's so difficult to, uh, to try to time all that stuff out. A lot of it depends on, you know, the health and stability of the state. If, if the state collapses, uh, you know, I, I could see these um, protection agencies popping up a lot sooner. And, you know, a lot of economists like Peter Schiff say, you know, we're only like five years or less away. But, you know, you, you look at like, um, there's a good book, uh, Snow Crash, I believe it's by Stevenson, who, uh, don't quote me on the author, but yeah, Snow Crash. And we're basically, that's what the the whole book is uh, is about, you know, these little private enclaves. And uh, you see, like, for example, like, instead of like the, the Colombian drug cartels become Colombia, or the mafia becomes like this whole like entity. And it really just shows you how like people will, when the state does collapse, people will turn to the market for protection, for transportation services we don't need them to to ruin our life you know and make things more yeah. expensive and inefficient yeah no i totally i totally get what you're saying i i i feel like there needs to be a large shift in public opinion because a lot of people still like the way um the way larkin rose likes to put it like they still believe in authority and still believe in in the state so i mean even if we're able to, to to undermine the state in these ways and stuff all the time you you just people are still gonna gravitate back towards that so i feel like the message needs to be spread a lot more to get that out of people's minds before any type of real change can happen I mean, they do, people do crave authority because they are sheep and they've been indoctrinated. But that's the beauty of agorism is that it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter if, um, if your neighbor is, is still a slave, if, if their eyes are closed, because once you accept agorism, then boom, you're automatically, you, that, that's the beauty of it. You've liberated yourself immediately. Mm -hmm. Once you decide that, look, I'm not going to, that's the thing. We're not sovereign citizens, but once you decide, like, hey, I'm not going to comply on A, B, and C, you increase your own freedom, right? Like, if you grow your own vegetables, your your some of those rules and regulations and the FDA uh, 
enforces aren't applying to you, right? If you go to Home Depot and you build your own uh, shotgun, uh, maybe the ATF's rules won't apply to you. You know what I mean? Who knows? Who knows? Mm -hmm. But that's the beauty of it is that you're instantly liberated. Yeah, I mean, you're you're definitely individually liberated, but we would also have to to convince such a large population to do that to really enact any kind of change cuz the state, I mean, it's just going to see individual people and and try and crack down like they did with Ross. Well, Ross yeah. Ross was really ahead of his time, I think, but you know, if you look at like on a, on a much more gradual scale, like if you look at the, for example, um, amount of disputes that have been settled uh, via arbitration rather than going through court services, the amount of suits that have went through private mediation have increased. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. As a total proportion, the amount of people using Bitcoin obviously has uh, increased over the years. Um, you know, people. The market always wins. The market will always find a way to defeat uh, the state. People, people, like I said, they're not going to choose to pay more and get less. So as long as we can keep providing uh, better services, then we're going to win. You know, even if you look at like the legalization or the decriminalization of pot, but then they throw they slap like a two hundred percent tax on it. So people right. just go right back to their dealer, and you know the black market always wins because we provide. Uh, better quality at a cheaper cost you know what i mean and yeah it's it's not uh it's not an overnight process but um you know Daniel Shulman wrote a book alongside Knight where he really lays out and he he wrote it with Konkin too he really laid out the whole process of how that's going to look okay yeah i mean now you can get that i think it's for free and there's even a movie with like Kevin Sorbo the dude from i think it was like Hercules or something Oh, well, sweet. Yeah. I have to, people have to check that out. <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, that's definitely, I definitely would like to see a lot more of this happening all the time. I mean, I'm definitely trying to do my part, at least on the cryptocurrency side. I know, I know a lot of people's um, view of cryptocurrency is a, a, a little flawed a lot of people kind of look at it as more of a like a stock that you buy into and then sell later on and not yeah. as a currency to to, to yeah. use. that's a huge problem a huge mm -hmm. problem in the crypto space and i think you know i don't gain any friends when i say this but i think a lot of it has to do with the whole um you know BTC versus BCH debate, whole block size thing, because, yeah. you know, I hate to say it, but, you know, the BTC camp, you look at them and it's like, I don't know. I mean, is it going to work as a payment system? I hope it does. But uh, right now, I think there's a lot of issues that they have to overcome. And then you look at like the BTC community and what they're saying is like, well, it's more of a store of value. And say, okay, well, we go back to the white paper and literally the first line of the white paper says that Bitcoin is supposed to be a peer-to-peer -peer electronic cash. Yeah. So, I mean, I've really been gravitated much more towards like um, Bitcoin cash or um, even like Ethereum because I'm really excited about like the Internet of Things and stuff like that. But even Ethereum, I've got 
reservations about like layer two scaling and stuff like that. But like I said, I'm not like a blockchain developer. These are just my opinions as like, like a crypto anarchist, I guess you'd say, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Have you, have you listened to, um, uh, what's his name? Cody, Cody Wilson talk at all with the, oh, the yeah, one who, Cody, the defense Cody. distributed. Yeah. He's great. Um, that whole crew of anarchists down in Texas, they just do just amazing work down there. Have you heard about all the shit he's going through with the law? Yeah, right. They, you know, I, I call it the, the Assange, the Assange strategy. It's when your enemy has you beaten and you have no moves left to make, you just try to frame and discredit them. And that's exactly what the state is doing. Because uh, they first they tried to stop him from releasing the files. They couldn't. He released the files. Then they, then they told him that he couldn't sell the files. So he went back to just giving them away for free. And that, then they just decided, oh, well, we'll just... But you know what he did? He, he put them on there and he said, pay me as much as you would like. <laughs> right. So it was, right. Like, it was like a donation thing. Yeah, right. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, the idea that these people could stop uh, the spread of electronic files. I mean, who do they think they are? Are they stupid? I mean, it's just, you know, it's ridiculous. <laughs> and, you know, it's not even just at this point, Cody is just the figurehead of the movement, right? Yeah, he, de he, he designed um, the Liberator, right? right? But uh, now there's other, other designs out there that Cody didn't come up with. So he was really just the first to do it. And really, what did Cody do is really the, 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 the major accomplishment that he had, the really the big technological innovation, because we had 3D printing in the 80s, right? That wasn't new. It was the idea that you can make a plastic spring. That was the only thing that was ever preventing the, the propagation of uh, plastic guns, was that you couldn't make a plastic spring. No one knew how to do it. Well, he figured it out. And he did it by, by using a basically like a spiral design. And uh, once he figured that out, the floodgates opened up. And really, thanks to him and the work that he did, there's really nothing that any state could ever do ever again in the future of humanity to prevent people from uh, arming themselves. There will never be another situation now where, like you saw in World War, was it World War II, World War I, where Americans were uh, airdropping single-shot pistols into France. Yeah, that's the Liberator. That's yeah, that was what he based it on, right? Yeah, right. That's where he got the name. But now you'll never see that again because there's 3D printers in France. Yep. You know, it's such a beautiful thing. I mean, I I remember watching interviews with him when when all this was going down, and he was like, "This is like this is real politics when when you create something that people like this is this is real freedom." Like this is what you do. You you provide something that cannot be taken away. Like voting in someone who says that they're gonna give you more for that's that's not that's not freedom. He's like, I don't believe in that in that process. That doesn't make any sense. What I did, this actually liberated people. Right. And he, uh, he I think he, he even explicitly states that he is a you know a Konkanite agorist. Don't quote me on that, but I'm almost positive. I remember I had a I, I said something to him one time. He made a. I saw he made a bunch of money off of the ghost gunners, and I was like, you know, great job, man. This is exactly what Conkin told us to do. And he was just, and he was just like, man, you haven't seen anything yet. He's like, I'm just getting started. Hell yeah. You know what I mean? So, and the other thing too is, you know, you look at Ross. Ross was another one who he said in an interview with Forbes 
that uh, his inspiration was uh, agorism, Sam Konkin and uh, Jane Neal Shulman's book, Alongside Night. Mm -hmm. So I mean, these are conscious actors, right? These are people who are actively doing it. We also have indications that Satoshi was anti-government. But like, if you think about it, these are people who are openly Konkinites, openly agorists. You add the accomplishments of these individuals. And you have to ask yourself, who's done more for your freedom, them or every single convention to the Libertarian Party's ever held, every member, every vote that's ever cast, all the time spent by these individuals doesn't even pale in comparison to the achievements of Cody Ross and Satoshi. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, Konkin said it too. You can't, you can't have agorism without action, right? I think he right. quoted, I think he quoted Yoda, like, uh, do or do or do not, there is no try. Yeah. Do you, do you know any updates on, uh, Cody's situation? Cause I'll, I, every time I look it up when I'm curious, I just, all I see is like the initial headlines and stuff. No, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know anything that you don't know. Um, I know he's, I, he's been keeping low, I think ever since, uh, he, uh, they, they, launched this attack on him because and he even he knew it was coming uh he's he saw it from a mile away but uh yeah no i haven't heard anything else i i do know that he's keeping low and I mean, before this he was doing like a bunch of like podcast interviews and stuff and then uh he just kind of like uh fell off probably for legal reasons you know he doesn't want to say anything that could they could use against him in the future yeah i mean i really hope he's all right because that's i mean he's a really smart dude especially if he just if he just starts talking about philosophy, he just he's just gone. You well, that's like, wow. Like, Ross was super smart too. Cody super smart, um, and those are the ones that the state goes after, right? Uh, those are the ones that they're most threatened by, are the intellectuals. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Well, intellectuals that aren't on their side. Yeah. Yeah, right. Well, well, right. I, I, the other ones, I, I don't even call them intellectuals. I prefer Tom DiLorenzo's term, the court historians, you know. Oh. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. I hope, I don't know. I hope he's all right. But, I mean, if, I mean, Assange is, I mean, I, I, have you seen any any updates on, on him? I heard that they were starting to, like, really crack down, like they were about to start doing stuff with him. Who on, he's been cut on? off for over like over a year yeah no you know what i haven't really heard anything uh anything new about that um i was i don't know if he did they let him out of the embassy or they he's they still oh. up in there yeah he's still in the embassy and he's had absolute cut off of communication from anyone outside the embassy or any type of internet communication at all for like over a year and a half so he's just like chilling in there in the same building that he's been in for like like seven years and now he just hasn't spoken to anyone i think he can have like family visitors and that's it for like over a year it's like it's just insane it really he doesn't even have any i just he doesn't even have any i mean any do they even have do they even have charges on him at this point? No, the, what the charge that they have is at first they charged him with the whole, uh, with the whole sexual assault thing, and they then that, right? Yeah, but then they dropped that. 
but what they have on him now is that he ran away. So he, he fleed. He didn't go to court. So it's like he didn't go to court for the thing he didn't do. And then you drop the charges on the thing he didn't do. But now you're like, oh, well, you ran away anyways. So we got we got to got to take you in. I mean, it's so obvious at this point. They The state has their thugs running around shooting children and no no consequences, no repercussions. But Julian Assange doesn't show up for court. So he's got to be under house arrest. And like, what is it, the Ecuadorian embassy? Yeah. And didn't uh, Hillary Clinton suggest droning this guy? Yes. I just, he, he might be better off in house arrest. Otherwise, he might be one of these, like one of these other journalists who they find at the top of a mountain who, you know, committed suicide twice in the back of their head. I, I, I explicitly remember during the campaign trail, Donald Trump saying, I love WikiLeaks. And now he won't even make a single statement. On Julian Assange, Trump like, is so full of shit. Me. He, I mean, the guy is—he's so full of shit, and I—I I think it's so pathetic how his followers just like—they can't get enough of it. And the, you know, the same is true, obviously, of like you know the Democrats and Obama. But it's—I mean, the guy just straight up lied through his teeth. Like the NRA is supporting a ban on bump stocks at this point. I mean, what is going on? <laughs> And freaking uh, so when uh, all that stuff was really in the limelight with Cody and in the Liberator, the NRA just did not make a statement at all on on the whole situation. And it's like if you truly believed in the right to bear arms, like you, how can you not say anything about that? Yeah, like, they they are so clearly just political and nothing else. I'll, I'm, I'm a bit more conspiratorial. I think that um, I, I, I honestly believe I've seen them do worse. I mean, we all have seen governments do a lot worse than this, so it really shouldn't be unbelievable. But I really think that groups like the NRA are plants. I think that the state uh, put them there to try to uh, redirect our energies, right? They want us to, uh, they want the libertarians to waste their money on donate, donating to the NRA. Right, it's just you're you're they're what they're doing is they're redirecting our efforts and our resources into unproductive uh, efforts. Does that make any sense? You know? Oh yeah, no, I definitely see that. I mean, like every you, dollar the NRA has ever spent did nothing compared to Cody inventing that little plastic spring. It's it's just it's so it it just. You don't know what's like real and what's not real anymore because it's just you hear that and it's like, yeah, probably. <laughs> that's crazy. Like, yeah, yeah, and it's you know the same can be said across the board. You know, across the board, uh, who who has done more? You know, I you know when we going back to like Ross and the Silk Road and drugs, and how I was saying like about reviews and how you could make sure your dope was safe and stuff like. Who's done more to protect uh, drug addicts, the DEA or the FDA or Ross Ulbricht? I mean, the answer is clear as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. What the hell does the FDA even do? Like, just keep people from taking medicine. I, I just, they, they just want people to die. They're just they're just hoping it's, it's really, you know, again, cartelization of industries and stuff like that. You look at how many drug companies, we could probably name them off the top of our off the top of our, you know, on two hands, probably, you might not even. And really, that 
that constriction of the supply is exactly what these corporations want. That's why they're buying off senators and congressmen like horses at the track, you know? And, and you have politicians that have the, the, the audacity to, to suggest more government control over a problem that is so clearly the government's fault to begin with that I, I just don't even, like, how does it not implode on itself? And it actually, like, it, it will, like, eventually, but I, they can't keep it going forever. Eventually, they can't. It will. It will. It will implode. Like um, that place that Bernie Sanders always, always talks good about their healthcare system. Like just come Finland, I think, just completely collapsed. It's like there's a reason why. Just right. <laughs> look. Just look more than just Fox News and MSNBC. Just look further than just the top layer. Like actually understand what the implications of what these people are trying to do, because that's just it's so important. I mean, you even have uh, the freaking Yang gang with uh, Andrew Yang talking about just giving everyone a thousand dollars. Oh, my God. Like that's... how on earth that takes like 10 seconds of thought to understand that that's fucking insane. How can you? I don't even think you need to. Just the idea. Once someone says a thousand dollars a month for free, it's like okay, that's you know bad shit crazy. Of course, I shouldn't consider that as a reasonable option. But then, like, I think what happens is people think it's funny, right? And they're like, oh, we're gonna get the bag, we're gonna secure the bag, Yang Gang, right? And they think it's cool, but then they go and look at some of his other policies and like gun confiscations, like um, mandatory vaccines, like crazy, crazy kind of stuff, and it's like. All right, guys, it's not it's not funny anymore. It's not yeah. funny anymore. It's it's kind of fucking crazy and scary. And he, I, I, he literally, I saw him tweet this the other day. He was like, "I am going to provide everyone with a free subscription to HBO Go so we can all watch Game of Thrones together." And it's no, like, no, okay, like Come that. On. I swear to God, he literally tweeted that. And it's like, how much is that? Like fifteen bucks a month? It's like. How different is that than just giving everyone a thousand dollars? Like it's really not that much different because they could just spend fifteen bucks on an HBO Go account. So they're just at this point, they're just buying off the voters at this point. Yeah, you know, I, I saw someone. So I tweeted something about Andrew earlier because he started. To, he said, "Oh, it's just so completely obvious that." Um, yeah, he said, giving every American adult $1,000 a month is so obvious a fix to our rampant income inequality that it will happen very quickly. It just needs more of us to wake up to our own power. And I, and I quoted that tweet and I said, Andrew, why just stop at $1,000? If it's so beneficial to the economy to give people money to spend with, why not just give everyone a million dollars? That would be cool, right? Everyone a millionaire? And it's well, like, how is that? I, I just... How is that any different? And someone <clears throat> someone was like, well, at least he's not trying to buy votes with like free health care or all these huge programs. <laughs> and it's like, how <laughs> this is so offering, obviously buying, but he's just giving you money at this he's point. He's offering you a thousand dollar check for your vote. I mean, what could be more obvious? <laughs> but I mean, it's like, you know, look, these are completely predictable consequences of a democracy. I think. Was it the Tocqueville who said that, you know, or I forget who it was. They said once uh, 
once politicians figure out that voters can be uh, bought and stuff like that, then, you know, it'd be the end of the American, American Republic. So, I mean, it's just like, it's, you know, what do they think is going to happen to the price of their rent? You know what I mean? Or I even saw people be like, oh, we're going to take the $1,000 and go buy guns. It's like, well, you're ignoring the fact that this guy wants gun confiscation. And number two, what do you think is going to happen to the price of your guns when all of a sudden everybody has $1,000 more? I mean, it's yeah, just it's common great. sense. But, like, I guess if you paid attention in public schools, you wouldn't understand these things. Yeah, it's like, well, everyone has a thousand more dollars, so I might as well, you know, raise the raise the price. Like, everyone's yeah. got the money. It's yeah, like, where is money even coming from? I mean, it's coming from everyone. If everyone in America gets a thousand dollars, and it's paid by taxes, you're you're essentially just getting back the money that you just gave him. I, I don't understand. It's like people always use that meme where you got like a surge protector just plugged into itself. Yes, I mean, that's literally what it is. Yeah, right. I just don't understand. I mean, you even have people like Joe Rogan who are like, yes, I think this is a good idea. And it's like, come on, Joe, you were, you were supposed to be kind of reasonable here. I know. And then I think yesterday, Joe went off the rails again. I saw, I mean, I don't know when you're going to put this out, but what we're talking on what, Saturday? Was it Saturday, Sunday? Well, a couple of days ago, at least, he was talking about, uh, pray with somebody on, and the guy was like, yeah, private roads are awful, and Joe's like, "Oh, that's crazy! What a ridiculous idea!" And it's like, I thought you were, I thought you were a good guy. So we knows? just need a real freaking libertarian to go on his podcast and be like, "Look, Joe, we need like a Larkin Rose to go on there and just make him." F- well, we have. We've had Peter Schiff has went on there. Peter Schiff is like a radical anarchist Austrian. Uh, that's right. You know, super well versed, obviously, in economics and. Uh, he went on there and just killed it. But but you're right. I would love to see like Walter Block go on the Joe Rogan uh, podcast, or even like Hans Hoppe. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, that would yeah, be yeah. a killer. Killer. Well, the thing the thing that I really like about Larkin though is that he puts it in a way that makes you feel like you already knew it. That it was like, wow, this is so obviously common sense. And just completely ridiculous. How have I been thinking about this my whole life the wrong way? Yeah, That's, he's great. He's great, Larkin. Or we could have like a like like a Jeffrey Tucker. I love the way Jeffrey talks because it's just like so compassionate and like loving. And it's just like, hey man, the state just kind of sucks. And, <laughs> and you're like, you're like, oh, you're right. <laughs> Tucker is is one of my favorites. I'm I'm actually. Uh, in the midst right now of trying to get him on the podcast to do an episode on crypto economics. Oh, that would be uh, awesome. I, I met him in Miami at the, uh, the Bitcoin conference a, few, a couple months ago and he's awesome. He's just a great guy. He's just, he's as smart as he sounds. He's just awesome. And he gave one of like the best speeches at the conference too. So yeah, big fan of Jeff. That's, that's who we need to get on Joe Rogan's podcast. That that would definitely you're really, right he would really resonate with joe i think because joe yeah, really right. to resonate with with people like that for sure he's very good at explaining things too mm-hmm. jeffrey tucker you know he's got that way where he can kind of lay things out for you where you know even if you're completely new if you're like if you're a five-year-old you understand what he's trying the point that he's making you know okay he's like no big deal little guy we'll just start over and like <laughs> right, right. i got you I'll explain all of this in full. You're good. 
and it's and it's like that's such a nice uh, breath of fresh air. Uh, listening to someone talk like that, and because because a lot of the like the anarchist community can be very like upfront and in your face, and like, hey, you're fucking stupid, and like, I mean, they're right, but that doesn't really resonate with a lot of people because they just get very defensive when you're very uh, aggressive right off the bat, you know? And I'm, I'm definitely guilty of that because like shit makes me mad and I'll just kind of start ranting, but it, that's not always the best course of action to try and change people's minds. I mean, you're definitely right. There's like, I couldn't agree with you more. Like how many times I've seen somebody in the comments section of like a meme or something, will ask a question and then they'll have just like, you know, five people, 10 people jump down their throats. That's why I, I kind of like, if you notice, I just kind of like post the content and then I just kind of fall back and let everybody else sort out the business. I really try to avoid the drama, but somehow it still ends up finding me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I had, I had one tweet that got kind of popular. I just kind of wrote taxation is theft like eight times and <laughs> It kind of got really popular, and and of course, all of the comments and the discussions under underneath were just all about taxes, and it just it completely completely just baffled me that that people could just not just could not understand how taxes could be any form of extortion or anything other than just some type of voluntary cooperation of people's money and like i i had it to where someone was like well how how would you run it instead and i was like I, you don't you don't i, I wouldn't want to run no, anything anyway yeah right exactly like it doesn't need to be run like how about ha, ha, allow you know people always say like make america great again how about just like allow america to be great again well that you're would like, be nice you're you're what you're in arizona right yeah, I'm over in uh, like New York, New Jersey kind of area. And when I was a kid, I remember like John Gotti and the Gambitos. That was like a big thing when I was like a kid in the '90s growing up. And what did they used to do? The mob, right? They used to extort uh, business owners for protection, right? So you your store wouldn't get robbed if you paid John Gotti a fee, right? He would make sure nobody, everybody in the neighborhood knew. Don't screw with Duke Wilder's store because uh, you know then you got to deal with us. So really, what is the state doing? Exactly the same, the same. thing. Yep. Exactly the same thing. Uh, you know, and then like look at like for example like the lottery, right? I think it was like what Meyer Lansky who used to run the numbers, and he was charging like I don't know like four or five percent or six percent. And then, like, it would start to go up a little bit, and the government would be like, this is absurd. You need us to run this. We're going to run it much more fairly. We won't charge you guys that much money. And then we look back, like, what, like 50 years later, 60 years later, and it's like... Yeah, they take fucking half of it. I know, right? They're taking at least 50% off the top. So it's like, who's worse? Who's worse? The mob? Like, MS-13? Like, I'd rather take my chances with those people than with the government. You know, like... MS-13 hasn't robbed me. They don't care if I... They're not going to shoot me if I carry a gun. You know, I just had to pay... Uh, I had to take it for, like, putting up missing pet signs. My cat went missing. And I put up signs. They, my local government made me pay 400 bucks as, like, a zoning violation. It's like... The, it's like the mob never did that to me. 
ISIS never did that. <laughs> right? like, you know what I mean? It's, like, it's so much worse because they're just so integrated in every single aspect of your life instead of just that 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 one part. You know, now it's now it's fucking everything that you could possibly do. They're involved. And it's oh, just dude, like how much how much water you flush down your toilet is regulated by the EPA. Uh how the, big your toilet is. Yeah, the, the the water that comes out of your faucet that you that you give to your children is is medicated with fluoride. With doesn't matter if you want that med that medicine or not. You're you're taking it. It's like we literally are their property. That's how they treat us. I had one guy, so he was like, How can taxation be theft? When you don't even own the money to begin with, and I was like, "What do you, uh, what do you mean by that?" And he's like, "Well, the government allows you to use their currency that they create." And I was like, "Whoa, well, wait a second. So you're, you're saying that we actually don't own any property, and the government owns it all? Like that? That's pretty radical, man. Like that." pretty marxist it's funny because like they tell you that you can't use gold right that you know the us dollar is the only currency so they tell you that you have to use it and then you're like you understand like the conundrum it's like they're telling you that you have to use this currency and then you should be thankful that they're letting you use them yeah it's like, yeah, yeah. It's like good for them letting you fucking use this i i just I don't understand. And like, even when I responded, I was like, okay, if I was literally made king of, uh, if I was made president of the United States, like tomorrow, like to be honest, like a lot of people, a lot of like people with our ideologies would be like, yeah, I would just like step down immediately or I would, you know, do something like this. Like I, what I would do is I would just do absolutely nothing. And then just, I would just address the nation every single day and then just like, teach about like the non-aggression principle and then just why like the belief in authority is ridiculous and just wait until like my term is over and then hopefully people would like be a little more educated at that point yeah i don't know i think i'd either i'd either resign or i'd go like full-on saddam hussein and like start arresting congress and like the supreme court throw them in jail um They'd probably disband the ATF, DEA, free all the people in jail for victimless crimes. I'd make all the troops come home, throw the generals in prison. Uh, I'd throw the bankers in jail. It would be it'd be bad. It'd be like a purge. <laughs> <laughs> it'd be it'd be bad if I got into like the White House. Either that, or I would just be like, "Look, uh, I'm out of here. Let me let me get Ross out of jail, and I'm going home. You know, I want no part, yeah. gang. You know, I'd pardon like." Fucking eighty. Have you seen that shit they're doing to Chelsea Manning right now? Yes. Like yes. And you know, I actually got into an argument with Chelsea about this exact same subject. I think like I had said something like taxation is theft, and Chelsea commented and was like, No, it's not, blah 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 blah. And Chelsea's like a big leftist, like not libertarian at all, very progressive. And we got into it a little bit, but um, we were actually she she was going to be on my uh, podcast, and right before uh, the state threw her into a cage. So I don't care what her economic policies, her economics belief are. I think she uh, did enough in so far as um, the revealing of the war crimes is is you got a lot of points in my book when you do something like that, you know, especially when you know what the consequences are and you do it anyway. You get a lot of uh, a lot of credibility in my book. 
definitely I'm definitely on her side in this current situation because they're like you have to just you have to testify against WikiLeaks even though happened like what was it like eight years ago nine years ago and she's like I don't I don't want to I don't want to do this and they're like well you have to and we're gonna put you in jail for not doing it like that's ridiculous and I'm and I'm glad that she's kind of sticking to her guns and not giving in to those demands I mean she's been in solitary confinement for like a month like that's yeah, it's, it's inhumane it's inhumane that's what that's it's almost like what uh what zoos do to animals you know it's very similar uh it's really it's really messed up too because you think about it it's like they're simultaneously telling us simultaneously telling us that uh chelsea manning has to testify against the press but don't worry you you have freedom of the press it's guaranteed by your piece of paper your constitution it's like anybody who sees what's happening here obviously you can tell that the constitution has failed us right the freedom of the press is gone. Once they can put Chelsea into solitary confinement for not testifying against WikiLeaks, your freedom, you don't have freedom of the press anymore. Get the illusion out of your mind. The quicker we can part with this fiction, the quicker we can all move on to accepting a new strategy. And I think that when you look at the options, I think that counter-economics is the, is the go-to. You know what I mean? Does that make any sense? That definitely makes sense, man. I just, I, I don't know, man. I just, it, it just really, everything just really makes me sad. <laughs> All this stuff going on. Well, that's the thing. A lot of libertarians are so pessimistic. Every libertarian I talk to is pessimistic. I'm yeah, not, I mean, I wouldn't I'm, say I'm pessimistic. In the, I, I just, I see everything happening, and I feel so bad for everyone, and I just wish it was better. And I, and I am optimistic for the future because, like, you know, I talk about stuff all the time. It's just when I'm not amped up and when I'm not, like, actively talking and trying to make a difference, it's like I just sit back and I look at the world, and I'm just like, damn, sucks. <laughs> it does. It does. But, you know, as long as we keep our, our nose down, you know what I mean, and keep, keep going – yeah, trying to be subversive, break up these cartels, you know, 3D print, buy a ghost gunner, use crypto, grow your own food, sell that food to others, trade with other people, do what you got to do, work outside of the state's purview, uh, minimize your tax burden, all these different things. There's so much that you could do. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That like, it doesn't, to me, it's like, I'm too busy to be uh, pessimistic. You know what I mean? You're right. You're right. Like I'm, I'm, I'm like downloading new 3D printing files, and like I'm, I'm, you know, opening up new accounts on. Like I'm looking for a new Dex to sign up for. It's just I, I don't know. I'd rather than think about the assholes in Washington. Then I'd, I'd rather just like look. You guys have no power over me. Like I am free, whether they like it or not. Mm-hmm. You know, I totally, yeah, yeah, it definitely makes sense. I, I, what I want to do is I don't really have the resources right now, but I want to try and spread the ideas through like creativity and a sense of like photography and filmmaking and like documentaries and stuff like that because 
I feel like that resonates with people a lot. You know, not everyone reads books. Well, a lot of people don't read books. A lot of people don't listen to lectures. But a lot of people like watch movies, and a lot of people like scroll through Instagram. You know, like I, I, I really want to work hard towards that. I mean, I'm doing what I can through my photography and stuff, but I want to, I want to go to film school and really start trying to to make a difference that way. I think that would be pretty beneficial. Well, you're right. You're right, and like that's the thing is like there's a role for everyone. Right? No matter what your what you're into, what your passion is, what your calling is, there's a way where you can integrate that into the liberty movement. You know what I mean? If you're if you're into science, there's like stuff you could do uh, to disrupt the state in terms of like your 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 scientific niche. Or if you're a trucker, there's different ways you could use uh, market economics to subvert the state. You know, I would never, of course, tell anybody to break the law because that would be illegal and they would come and throw me into a cage. But I think, you know, everybody gets my my my, my gist here. Yeah, catch your drift. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think everyone just needs to have that on their mind. And do, I like, I watched, I watched the, uh, the new Incredibles movie, like Incredibles 2. Have you seen that? I haven't seen it yet. So, like, it, because I've already, uh, I, I've heard before in the past that like the first Incredibles kind of went along with Ayn Rand's objectivism in a sense. And like Incredibles 2, like really did. Like there were so many, there were so many parts of that movie where they were like really cracking down on the the, the superheroes. And they're like, you know, they can't be a part of society. Like, they're going to hurt people, blah, blah, blah. And Mr. Incredible, I remember specifically this scene. He was like, we need to do something. And she's like, no, his wife, the Miss Elastigirl or whatever. She's like, no, you can't do that. We have to follow the law. We have to follow the rules. And he goes, not if it's a stupid law. I'm not going to follow it. And and I was like, hell, like... <laughs> I was like, hell yeah. And everyone was like, ah, oh, shit, here he goes again. <laughs> oh, I, gotta, I gotta watch this movie. Um, Ayn Rand is one of my favorites, though. I've never, I didn't, I didn't know that. I'll have to check this out. What is this on Netflix or did you rent it or what? Uh, I can't remember. I, I was watching it with a bunch of other people, and all of my friends know that I, you know, I talk about politics and stuff all the time. So, like, uh, like every single step of that movie, I was just like, hell yeah, get that. And everyone was like, ah, oh, shit, here, here, he, here he goes again. Because, like, it, it pretty much was. Like, the, the, the whole movie really expressed those ideas very well, and it was, it was pretty subtle, too. So, I feel like if there was a lot of that, people would just kind of like subtly start getting these ideas and and kind of be like hmm that's that's weird that i'm starting to think this other way and i don't even know why and it's like because of all the shit that you watch and stuff i mean it can work the other way i mean people get diluted from from the stupid tv that they watch i mean what if they watch smart tv i mean i'm sure it'll have the opposite effect oh yeah 100 percent. and that's that's actually um one of the things that really turned me into like a radical uh, libertarian was because like I was able to watch documentaries about like Bitcoin and Aaron Schwartz and FEMA camps and uh, Ron Paul's like election and like 
I, there was all this content on YouTube, all this like video content. And then you combine that with like, uh, you know, like the Tom Woods show. And then I was like also doing the lectures and the books on top of it. And, like it all just came together. But yeah, the, like those documentaries were like a key component of like me learning about economics and Bitcoin and, uh, you know, just the whole philosophy of freedom in general. Oh yeah. Have uh do you do you watch documentaries pretty often? Um not often, but like if there's something good or if there's something libertarian, then I'll definitely go on my way to watch it. So, there's my absolute favorite documentary is this documentary called The New Radical. Have you seen it? No, I haven't. So, um the director, I I don't I don't know what else she's done, but um it's really good. It follows, um, it follows Cody Wilson from 2013 until the very end of 2017, and so it, yeah, it follows him in the 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 writing and the theme and just the pacing is just so cool, and then just the way that the way that it it just works really well. And he's like like Cody is like the main character. And then throughout the years, like the uh, the director has him like talk to certain people, and she interviews Julian Assange, and this character Amir Taki comes in, and he's like straight up anarchist, like every sense of the word, like completely lives it. Like went to um, uh, Rajava, which is like they they were having like a. Uh, they were pretty much their their government was overthrown and they were like rebuilding and he like went there to like help with the economics and just like everything that he's a very interesting guy and so like it has Cody going around and talking to these people and interacting with people and it's just really where did, really yeah, where did you see that on on YouTube or on Netflix it's on Amazon it's on Amazon Prime actually oh, that's where okay. I saw it. That's what I'm going to do as soon as we hang up. I'm going to go watch that then. What is it called? The, the, the New Radical? The New Radical, yeah. Okay. It's it's so good. The sub, here, let me read the – I'll read the summary. It said, uncompromising millennial radicals from the United States and the United Kingdom attack the system through dangerous technolo- technological means, which evolves into high-stakes game with, with world authorities in the midst of dramatically changing political landscape. And it was just – it's just really cool, and it, it just it fo- it it follows Cody when that sounds like a very beginning tourism. Yeah, no, it's actually really cool, and it starts talking about cryptocurrency and stuff because Amir Taki is a huge proponent of cryptocurrency, and so it starts following him, and then Cody starts talking about it, and it's just real cool. And Julian Assange is in it too, and then so you get to hear Julian Assange's um, opinion about Cody and the. The 3D printing, the guns, and stuff like that. Is Julian Assange uh, pro gun, or is he is he against it? I think it didn't really talk about that. It it pretty much they they brought it up because Cody liked to talk about his project as the Wiki Weapon, and so they kind of brought it up to right, Assange right, and like, hey, you know, he likes to call it the Wiki Weapon, and then he kind of talks about the state a little bit. He doesn't really give his op- opinion to straight up but i i really like assange i i just i wish that he could speak more because he's kind of really silenced right now 
Well, when you go after the Clintons, I mean, he's lucky he's just alive after the whole like Seth Rich thing. I mean, like I said, I'm surprised. I, if he wasn't held up in, a, in the MC, he probably would have been suicided by now. Oh, I mean, you're <laughs> just one more yeah, number. You're definitely right. Count, you know, <laughs> I wish. I mean, I, I wish Donald Trump would be a little bit more grateful to all that shit that came out. I mean, he. I mean, he won the election because of all that stuff that got leaked on WikiLeaks. I mean, come on. Oh, 100%. And, like, that's what I think is funny is, you know, everybody suspected that Seth Rich had leaked these emails to WikiLeaks. And then all of a sudden, he gets shot and killed in, in a robbery, but yet his pocket's still full of cash and he's got, like, a Rolex on his wrist that wasn't taken. So what was, what was robbed during the course of this robbery? And then they said, well... Oh no no! But then it wasn't Seth Rich where Julian Assange got this information. It was the Russians. So it was really it's like to me it seemed like and then of course Julian Assange put out what was it, like a twenty thousand dollar reward for information leading to uh, any information regarding like the murder of Seth Rich. Like why would he put out a, a reward like that if uh, if Seth Rich wasn't his his source? You know what I mean? Of course, as a journalist, he can't reveal his source, right? But uh, if it wasn't Seth Rich, he he wouldn't be motivated to put out that kind of reward. So, in other words, it seems like to me like this whole Russia investigation bullshit was really just uh, to distract your attention from the fact that the Clintons knocked off Seth Rich because he gave thirty three thousand emails to Julian Assange. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's insane. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I I definitely know what you're talking about. I think WikiLeaks is very important. I think. WikiLeaks needs to continue what it's doing because it at least puts the state on its toes and it's like, okay, maybe we need to be a little bit careful about what we do because shit might come out because there's a very, very highly reputable uh, company that could release it. Right, and like we'd be fucked. I mean, Hillary Clinton was like, yeah, none of this is true, and people were like, yeah, bullshit. <laughs> We, I mean, we at least know WikiLeaks is very reliable. So, like, <laughs> look how we don't look, how, look how quickly um, technology is outpacing the state, right? So, for example, uh, with WikiLeaks, the model was anyone with any useful or relevant information could anonymously uh, send in inform send that information to WikiLeaks over the internet in a safe and secure fashion. Well, now, like they're they're just about stopping Julian Assange. They've got him held up on house arrest. But like, you look at like Ben Swan mm -hmm. and how he's using uh, blockchain technology. He's got a project called uh, I think it's called Isagoria, where um, content creators, news people can all submit information, um, you know, encrypted information, you know, cryptographically secure in the blockchain so that there's no censorship or anything like that and you look at like a model like that and you got to ask yourself what are they going to do if they can't stop julian assange who's an individual right they can go up to this guy and they could they could kill him but they yeah. can't they're, they're not capable of doing that right now they're, they're so uh they're so incompetent that they can't even uh stop one individual what are they going to do when they have to stop Millions, when, when all of a sudden, when all the, the world's residents can become journalists, uh, you know, at the snap of their fingers, what are they going to do then? You know? 
There's nothing that's that that they can do to prevent the flow of information. Yeah, I'm I'm so incredibly glad that, like, I saw this on a meme, but it was like, if the government had come in and started regulating the internet back in the 80s when it started, like, we would still be using dial-up now and be thanking the government, like, hey, you know, the internet wouldn't exist without the government. And it's still freaking dial-up. I mean, that's exactly what would happen. And what does happen when the government gets in and starts regulating things? There's like no innovation. Well, like, that, you know, that's interesting too, because if you think about it, right, they did regulate the internet back in the day. It wasn't until what, like, ninety-four, ninety-five, that I mean, I don't know how old you are, but like, I'm like, I'm like almost thirty-two. And when, like, it wasn't like in 95, I want to say, or 96, somewhere around the mid-90s where the government, all of a sudden, they said, okay, the internet can now be used for commercial purposes. Before that, it was strictly for, like, I don't know if it was, like, scientific purposes. Like, you could only get the internet. Like, the only stuff available was for, like, scientific uh, purposes. And right. uh, and they finally, like, issued a decree that says, we, the, by the benevolence of the state, we can use technology. So it's like in my like to me it's like, like the that the relevance the significance of that is that where where would we be today if they had never imposed those restrictions if we allowed commercial activity from like the early 80s on the internet how much more quickly would technology have progressed we know that it, technology increases exponentially so where would we be today we might there would be people probably who lives would be able to be saved by leaps and bounds that you know that occur in technology that didn't occur because the state retarded the growth in the industry. Yep. Yeah. I and people people want the government to come in and start regulating social media because of all this shit of censoring conservatives. And it's like, wait a second, that's not a good idea. <laughs> oh right, right. Yeah, I know, I know. And it's like even even like when libertarians get um get banned it's like okay well look if we don't like twitter we can go on gab you know if we don't like facebook we can, we can go on minds so yeah. i don't see the problem as an agorist i believe in competition <laughs> you know the market well the market is always right they're going to determine who the best actors are yeah yeah you're totally right i just i wish people would think about the implications of things that the, the implications of the things that they say before they freaking say them because that's just that would just that's just such a, a bad idea that that a lot of people hold and even the president he's like hey how about you stop censoring conservatives and it's like hey it's it's not your place to to fucking give your opinion on this bro didn't he suggest the guy's such a lunatic i mean i may be wrong i might but didn't he suggest like they start like a state news agency like the, yes having china or some shit like what the fuck is wrong with this guy <laughs> You know, I so I went. There was a. Um, I was walking around in the mall over over where I live, and there was a sign promoting that there was a guy announcing his kickoff for a congressional run for the place that I that I'm at. And so I was like, I want to go to this. I want to I want to see what the fuck this guy talks about. And he was a Republican, and I show up, man. And of course, I'm like the youngest person there by far. And I've got like short sleeves on and I've just got like a shit ton of tattoos. And everyone's coming up to me thinking I'm just like trying to crash the party. 
and I'm and like I'm not like they're like kind of they're like interviewing me. They're like, oh hey, like why are you here? And I'm like, yo, I'm just trying to just trying to watch, man. I'm not I'm not gonna stand up on the stage and start screaming at people. Like, but how are they going to win elections when they like that's the attitude they have towards newcomers? You know, I mean, yeah. the whole concept to me of party politics is just it's just absurd. It's just it just doesn't make any sense. It really, I mean, again, we 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 go back to the idea of cartelization. What is uh, the FEC, the Federal Election Committee, then really just uh, the device by which the two parties have cartelized uh, control over the state? Like, if you think about it. Uh, like they, whereas normally, like the two competing ideologies would have to actually physically fight over control over the government, they've really just come to an agreement. They've established like a set of rules by which, like, rather than actually go to war with each other, the Republicans and Democrats, we're going to come agree to a system where every four years people are going to vote, and we'll we both agree to accept the outcome of the, of the vote regardless. This way, you know, we can minimize bloodshed of our people. It's really just a sick and disgusting. Uh, system it really is it is it is and and it's it's so tribal at this point that the guy that i was listening to talk he was like a strict constitutionalist so like i mean he had more principles than about like 95 percent of the politicians and that are that hold office right now which isn't saying much like at all because I mean, I still was able to just completely just jump hoops through this guy's uh, the policy positions and stuff. But all the people there—I mean, there was like old ladies wearing like Trump socks, and and just just this oh, man. I felt so bad. There was this old man, like really old, and he was wearing like this this uh, button-down shirt that had like an eagle on it and like the constitution and he was wearing like this american flag hat and he was just like gung-ho ready to to help everyone out and it's like man like it's just uh, brainwashed all the way till you're fucking 90 years old and i was doing i was doing my best i mean first thing first thing they did was pray and i swear to god this guy talked more about his religion than he did running for office i mean he was like thank you god for putting in this this government and i was like man this is such a this is so bad and then and we said, the pledge of, said the pledge of allegiance and i was like just standing in the back i'm like i'm not doing this shit i'm that's sorry that, that's the that's the prayer to the state pledge yeah they did the prayer to their god and then they did the prayer to their state and then he stood up there and had the audacity to be like you know i hold the constitution you know at this high regard but we need to build a wall and i'm like yo wait what the fuck <laughs> it's like the constitution is so important but we're gonna have to seize your property that due process of law and uh and that, that was like, the only thing the only thing that he had in common with donald trump i mean they would disagree on every single other policy position but everyone in the crowd was like hell yeah he supports our president and blah 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 and all this and it's like you have no idea the positions that this guy is taking and oh. i was like writing down writing down questions and all this and and i went up to him and i i mean did the whole like politician thing where it's like try to shake your hand and get away to go talk to someone else but i was like no wait a second and I asked him what he thought about like alternate currency. And he was like, oh, yeah, you know, that's real cool. And like, you know, I definitely like that. 
But, you know, I think the U.S. dollar needs to still stay like the forefront of world economics. And I was like, okay, um, but, you know, you're a constitutionalist. You know, obviously the Constitution talks <laughs> about – it was like, yeah, it was like, the, you know, the Constitution talks about Congress only being able to have the power to coin money. He was like, yeah, yeah, so no, like, paper money. And I was like, oh, okay, so yeah, you get it. So you it, – but the Congress doesn't even make money right now because they, they delegated that power to the Federal Reserve. And he was like, yeah, so we need to go in and, and demolish the Federal Reserve. He's like, I think the income tax is modern-day slavery. And I was like, hmm, okay, so you want Congress to – only be able to make coin money and I, and I was like how do you feel about taxes being required to be paid in u.s dollar and he was like yeah i don't like that either and i was like okay so you want the dollar to still be the forefront of world economics however you want the u.s dollar to only be able to be made as coins only by congress and you don't want to require it to be paid with taxes there is no right. way U.S. No. dollar would last like one more year. Are you kidding no. me? You, you're going to cut out half the demand for the dollar. The, the most of the demand comes from the tax revenue. So I mean, once yeah, you get rid no, of that, it's... nobody would use it anymore. It would it would completely fizzle out of existence. But he's a but he's a strict constitutionalist. It's like you know, but people don't read into it like that. Well, you they, know, one block says that the constitutionalists, like he, according to him, there's a spectrum of libertarianism. And the constitutionalists lie on like the far end, like they're like the least libertarian of us. And right. uh, but according to him, they still are our allies. And like you have to include people like Ron Paul in that camp. And look, hey, the Constitution is probably one of the uh, better political documents that's ever been created. But the idea that a piece of paper is going to stop the most corrupt and murderous entity in the history of like in all history like it's insane to me that like people actually believe that like a piece of paper can stop that it's insane and we, like you see, like all the examples like we just talked about julian assange you know people people he's like he's in house arrest how do you have freedom of of uh press or how do you have due process of law when they're taking your land to build a wall I mean, it just goes on and on. Obviously, the, the, the Constitution has failed. I mean, go try to carry a, a, a gun through Manhattan. See what happens to you. They'll shoot and kill you on the spot. Yeah. I mean, they've done it for less. Look at Eric Gardner. You know, they, they strangled him on the sidewalk in Staten Island for selling an untaxed cigarette. So, I mean, there's no low that these parasites won't sink to. I don't, I don't know how he can hold... A position like the income tax is a form of modern day slavery because I don't understand how you can't think of, think that about all of taxes because the income tax is just another another position on on on, on during the transaction. I mean, you're just that's when you're getting your money, but then when you're spending it, they're taxing it again. So it's like it's just a different part of the transaction man you, you got to think that it's all slavery or none of it and but it he, he was like such a big proponent of okay the second amendment so important 16th amendment take it away and so i was like okay so are, you said you're a constitutionalist so this shit's like infallible right so like are some amendments better than others and he was like oh yes of course so i was like okay so how do you feel about the amendment process and you go, okay this is important to have an amendment process because the founders understood that 
times change, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, so you're telling me that you think that this system is good. I mean, you think this is a great system, but someone or this group of people can't amend the very document that you think is such a great system to create modern day slavery. <laughs> how How is that a good, that's a terrible system. If you can just vote in modern day slavery by quoting him. Well, so it's like, I, I feel like I think he hasn't even thought of it. I think a big part of that is that um, the way that we understand the constitution today is not how the constitution was meant to be interpreted, right? Um, you know, and we have all the revisionist historians to thank for this, for telling us, exposing the real truth, as opposed to the lies that we learn in, uh, you know, in these public indoctrination camps that pass in schools. But like, it was supposed to be the case that if the federal government overstepped their bounds, that state governments could be like, oh, well, you know what, that's unconstitutional. We didn't sign up for that. We didn't agree to this. So we're not going to enforce that law. And that's a little bit more efficient of a system, in my opinion. But, uh, you know, after the Whiskey Rebellion, after Andrew Jackson uh, and his tariffs, and then Lincoln and his tariffs, all that kind of stuff fell by the wayside. And now you just have this national Leviathan. But, like, I guess, like, in that guy's defense, like if we had a constitution that was more based in federalism rather than nationalism, mm -hmm. it might work a little bit better, but still like to me in the end, it's just paper isn't going to protect us from tyrants. Yep. Guns are, you know, as soon as you give a group of people rights that regular people don't have and powers that regular people just can't do, it doesn't matter how much of that power you give them they will take more and they will continue to take more until it eventually collapses and we just we, uh, we just see that happen over and over throughout all of history and our founders understood that and they were like okay we get it we get it but we just went a little bit just a yeah, just a exactly. little tiny bit just a little bit so we're just going to write this and we're just going to allow it to have just just a little tiny bit. We just need a little a little bit. And then it's like now 250 years later it's like the the, the largest empire the world has ever seen with like the most fucking power. And it's like it's impossible. Limited government is impossible. Yeah, so, right. Well, I think it was so like it's nice. It's a nice thought. Like cool. But it just doesn't work. We we see that it doesn't work. I mean, it's it's proven at this point. Like, what's this saying? How does it go? Uh, a minarchist plus time equals an anarchist? Yeah, it said, how How do you turn a minarchist into an anarchist? And it's six months. Yeah, right, right. Give him six months or something like that. But uh, I think Lou Rockwell said that, actually. I think. Yeah, right. Whoever. I'm just, to me, it's, I don't know. To me, it just seems obvious. It just seems obvious when you use, like, logic and common sense that the state is just a, a criminal gang and like if you like you're saying if you give people the power to rob what do you think they're gonna and then you can't be you can't be surprised when they when they use that power to rob people you know if you give the pba unions the power to shoot children then when they shoot the children you can't say oh my god what have you done no you've given them the power the authority to murder your children yeah. you've done this you know what i mean it's, it's you not that people have consented 
but like you said, like they're complicit. They ask for it. Like not everybody, like you and I, we don't ask for it. But a lot of people, they, oh, we pay taxes. We want to get our services out of it. You better pave the roads. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely something that baffles my mind. But at the same time, like we all used to think that way. So it's like, it's hard to really hold it against them until they start getting like confidently ignorant and then you're like come on man just like listen for a second because i've definitely run into those people they're like you're crazy like i i saw i quoted someone's tweet who was like libertarians are insane because i mean we see how people act whenever they whenever they can voluntarily tip tip a waiter or a waitress so I'm like, okay, so now your alternative is to like violently force people to do it instead. Like that that still doesn't make it ethical just because stuff that you would want to be done isn't done voluntarily. It's like this just that huge leap of okay, yeah, voluntary is cool, but you know, we gotta have some of this stuff funded. So do it or I'm gonna fucking shoot you. It's like, whoa. <laughs> I, I was just reading um, Bastiat, and he, he, he likes to talk about what he calls legal plunder. And when it when it becomes easier to do legal plunder, as in, like, being able to, like, legally rob people, or as in, like, taxation and stuff like that, when that becomes easier than actually working for it, then everyone is always going to gravitate towards that, which is what you what you always see. Like, yes, it's easier for me to just cast a vote to steal from my neighbor than it would be for me to just go out and get a job, which is why you have people that are just living off of the welfare system or even politicians that are like, man, I could just go get a regular fucking job, but you know, I'll just run for office or I'll just stay a stay a public servant in freaking quotes like Bernie Sanders for like 37 straight years. I mean, this dude is literally held office for 37 years. Or have so, uh, Yang Gang. Yang Gang is a good example of that. Yeah. So when you provide people with a system that makes it so easy to just steal shit from people, they're going to do it. That's just how human nature works. So just get rid of the system because it's obviously not working. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, to me, like like I said, it's just insane that it's mind-boggling that people actually think that it's a good idea that they have a, a group of people rob and threaten to kidnap and or worse to do, or to do worse to their children. Like, it's insane. I don't understand it. I really don't. Like, how could you not understand that the free market is a better provider of goods and services than state monopolies. Uh, like I said, it seems like obvious to me, but like like you said, we were all kind of blindfolded at one point. So you, I don't know how much, to what degree, you can really blame the average citizen, you know? No, I, I totally get it, man. But uh, yeah, should should be about time to start wrapping this up though but i mean it was definitely definitely really really cool talking to you man we should do it we should definitely do this again dude absolutely 
that was that was definitely fun. I think Twitter Twitter's definitely working out for us. I I've been somehow starting to really blow up on Twitter, which is which is pretty cool. I was gonna say you've got a, you're, you've got a decent uh, following going. What do you got? Like almost two thousand now or something like that. Tw- like twenty three hundred. Damn, bro. Good, good. That's that's great. Yeah, I looked in uh, the month of March. I had over like five hundred thousand impressions, which, I mean, isn't a ton, but you know, it's a that's it's good. a big number. If you just look at it, especially because I just kind of just kind of started. But dude, that's five hundred thousand people that are seeing the message. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I really want to make a difference, you know. I'm doing everything I can. That's especially so with more people like you, do to like to try to put whatever skills and passions they have into the movement. We need as many people to do this as possible. So, you know, big ups to you. You know, all the credit in the world. Hell yeah! Keep posting your memes, man. A lot of a lot of them are freaking hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh no, I'll always be until they take me down. I'll always be out there. I'm also one. <laughs> and snapchat and minds and facebook so people can find me all over the place you know hell yeah what you just have the same name on all that sound uh, like yeah you, you i'm i'm like it's very easy to find me i think like on instagram it's like sell dot the dot agorist and then snapchat it's sell me weather minds i'm sell me weather so I'm, I'm all over the place it's it's not hard to to access the content Hell yeah! Well, anyone listening, you should definitely go and follow this guy because he's a lot of a lot of good ideas and shit. But yeah, thanks for coming on, man. If um, anyone listening, if you don't already, I mean, you can you can follow Sal on, on all those platforms. You can follow me on Twitter, and I'm also on Instagram. I put all my photography and stuff on there. I try to put messages in them, but a lot of times I just like to take pictures of shit. So yeah, so. So I gotta find you on Insta. What's your name? Just Duke Wilder? Yes, uh Duke dot Wilder on yeah, Instagram. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And I try to put this podcast on every platform. I like SoundCloud is really good for because I just pay for the SoundCloud premium and then you just you upload it and it does the whole RSS feed for you, and then you can just Oh SoundCloud is free. I get I think I get as many, if not more, listens via SoundCloud than I do from like iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Player FM, Stitcher, like all put together. Hell yeah, yeah, man! If you ever, if you ever want me to come on your podcast, I'd freaking love that. Dude, but, I'd love to. I'm always looking for people to come on. Hell yeah! All right, well, it's definitely fun talking, and um, I'm glad to have glad to have you on, and. Um, We'll definitely, we'll definitely see everyone listening later on. We we love you. I love you. The state loves you. Just kidding. They don't. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Step in the club smoothly with the L in my hand. Bitches know that I'm a freak like the elephant man. Intelligent plans. Fuck a record deal. I want development land.